Okay, just going to share uh, this morning just some brief teaching to help us uh, and how it can be, you know, bad teaching. No teaching is, 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 I almost think bad teaching can be more destructive than no teaching. It can be. It can be. Because I can, I can get good teaching and then bad teaching can come in and completely disrupt and overthrow the faith that I had in that good teaching, which came from God. But this is Matthew, the 12th chapter. And I just, as I go through these verses, as God did this morning, I just want to touch on these things. This is Matthew 12 and verse 30. It says, Jesus said this, He that is not with me is what? Is against me. Now, can I function in the flesh? Even when I do as a believer, and remember, we have the flesh in us. It hasn't been taken away from us. Like the one naturist will say, or they call it falsely, the exchange life. There was an exchange of life, yes, properly when we received Christ. He got rid of the old in terms of our position, yes. But not like it's been taught by the one naturist. He that is not with me is against me. So not trusting God for everything would be what? I would be against the truth that God is for me in every single detail. He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathers not with me, what? Does what? Gathers abroad. This is a proper thought life. God is for us in Romans 8, 31 and Psalm 56 and verse 9. He is for us, period. And his plan is what? In Deuteron- his work is perfect in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4, in 2 Samuel 22 and verse 31, in Psalm 18 and verse 30. His work and his way and his plan are perfect. They're complete. So he that is not with me is against me, and he that gathers not with me, what? Gathers abroad. Now, and that's fulfilled also. Matthew 12, 30, is, it's also brought out in Mark 9 and verse 40. Verse 31 of Matthew 12. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy will be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven unto men. There's a lot of bad teaching about this. And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. Seems to be a difference here. But whosoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. Neither in this world, neither in the world there is age, by the way, neither in this particular age that Jesus is speaking of here, and neither in any age in time. Neither in this age, nor in the age to come. Neither make the tree good, and his fruit good, Is there any fruit that's good outside of Jesus Christ? The fruit of the Holy Spirit that takes the things of Christ in John 16, 13, and 14 shows them unto us. This explains Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance, which is self-control. Against such there is no law. The law there is the law of spirit and death, the law fulfilled by Christ in Romans 8, 2 and 3. What is that teaching then? 
What is that teaching? There is teaching that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid for the sins of the whole world. Is that scriptural? Then why did he say to the Pharisees? In John 8, 21 and 24, he said, you will die in your sins. He didn't say in your sin nature. He said, you will die in your sins because your sin nature and your sins have not been separated through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. So then what is this teaching? What is this teaching? You mean I can sin against Jesus Christ? Yeah, the whole time that we functioned prior to salvation, what we were sinning against Jesus Christ, who fulfilled in propitiation the Father, became the potential substitute and reconciler. Yes, that will be forgiven. But why not? Why not then the sin against the Holy Spirit? What, what is that teaching? Some would teach that. Some would teach that in John 1 and verse 29, behold the Lamb of God, and they'll say that takes away the sins of the world. The world there is the mass of humanity. It doesn't say sins. See, we need to know and taught by the Holy Spirit through pure grace, not human intellect, the difference between sin, which is nature, and sins, which are produced by that nature that hasn't been crucified in Romans 6, 1 through 6. So what is it teaching? What is God teaching? What is blasphemy? Blasphemy is the Greek word blasphemio. And it's teaching. It is words that are attributed to the very character of God that have nothing to do with his character. It is evil speaking against him. So if I teach something, honestly, and I can do it in ignorance, that is not of Christ, not of God the Father, not of Christ, not of the Holy Spirit, then, and I teach it, even in the ignorance, what is it? Blaspheming. And what is blaspheming? It's evil speaking, attributing to the character of God that that is not attributable. So what does it mean then? What does, what does this teaching us? It will not be forgiven, neither in this age nor in the age to come. Why? Because the tree hasn't been made good. What would make the tree good? It would, the tree, the old nature, would have to be crucified. And since paid for. This again brings out Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 4. Each individual has to put, place his hands on Christ and receive the fact, first and foremost, that in the lots, the two lots, in Leviticus the 16th chapter, in those first, say, 17 verses there, the one lot was for God, and that was, he was crucified and, and dead. That's propitiation. So the first thing that's rejected is that, no, no, I don't believe that Jesus Christ was the propitiation and propitiated and satisfied the Father. I don't believe he he actually performed being the helasmos, the place of propitiation, didn't fulfill that work, didn't fulfill it in 1 John 2, 1 and 2. I don't believe that. And that's explaining the two goats. The other goat that was set free were those that confessed their sins on that goat, and that was the work that Christ completed. 
So in this whole life, in this whole life, we've sinned against God through sinning against Christ and God and the Holy Spirit, the one God, and through denying, whether ignorantly, unknowingly, or rebelliously, or stubbornly, in 1 Samuel 15, 23, denying propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation. But why does it say this, the Holy Spirit? Because we have to understand these things. And this is where, unfortunately, the hyper-dispensationalists, or as others have called them, ultra-dispensationalists, and there can be a little bit of difference in those two, but pretty much predominantly, I think, foundationally the same, is brought out here. Now, see, so how do I understand? Well, I can be forgiven what I sinned against Christ. Yes, I can be. I can sin against him, but that potentially can be forgiven. How? This brings in this reality. Because who is it that will make known to men what Christ has accomplished in propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation? This is John 16, 8. And when he, who's he? Here, the Holy Spirit, will come when he is come he will reprove. He will reprove. He will convince through conviction. And this is God lovingly convicting those. He will reprove, convince, convict. The world of what? Sin. Denying. Sin. No. No. God didn't need to be propitiated, and Christ wasn't that. So I refuse what the Holy Spirit teaches as taking the things of Christ later in this chapter in 13 and 14 and showing them unto us that, that born again. But here, the unsaved, he will reprove the world of sin. Does a man need righteousness if he's not, if he's not convinced and convicted that he's a sinner? Does he have a need for it? No, he's deceived in Revelation 12, 9, and then he will accuse the enemy will accuse those that are. Accuse the Christians, those fools. Those fools. They have to depend on someone else. And then he accuses them in Revelations 12.10. He will reprove, convict the world of sin, those unsaved, of sin. You're a sinner. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. And of righteousness. So what happens if sin in a believer, their sins in their sin nature, meet righteousness without Christ, what do you have? Judgment. When sin collides with righteousness, without the justice, the love and justice of God being met, and this brings out again the two lots in Leviticus the 16th chapter, as was brought out again, Leviticus the first chapter in the fourth verse, Brings it out clearly. We need to have the whole preponderance of all the scriptures. All of them. Remember, hyper-dispensationalists or ultra-dispensationalists, please remember, please remember, to your own edification and lack of destruction, all scripture is God-breathed, inspired by God. All of it in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. Not just what is so-called the Pauline scriptures. 
They were the scriptures of Jesus Christ given to Paul for the church, period. And what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, is you're to follow Christ like me, like I have to. We're all the same. This brings out this. When he, Holy Spirit, has come in John 16.8, he will reprove, convict the world of sin and righteousness of judgment. Of sin. Why? Because they refuse to believe the message of God, the Holy Spirit. They refuse to believe, not on me, Jesus was saying. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father. No, we don't need Christ. We can go ourselves. A lot of teaching on that. Men would teach. We're going to mention them by name, have in the past. That you can reason your way into salvation apart from Jesus Christ. Evil, wrong, blasphemous, evil teaching. Attributing the words of the flesh from Satan to God and being against him in Matthew 12 30. Because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now, of course, and what he was teaching them is. When the Holy Spirit has come, then you will bring out the full revelation of Matthew 12, 30, 31, and 32. It'll bring it out fully. Who's going to do that? Who's the theologian and scholar? Is it a man? Some man that has a master of divinity, meaning mastered God? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. Not one theologian, one scholar. It is God, the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit. I have yet many things to say unto it, but you can't bear them just now. But when I am crucified, I walked the earth for 40 days and 40 nights prior to the ascension. This is brought out in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Then I ascend in, and this is brought out into the presence of God in Hebrews 9, 12. And 14, bringing in the fulfillment of what has been finished. And I sit on the throne and rest and wait and send down the Holy Spirit who begins to form the church. And it happened to be in Acts, the second chapter. It didn't happen in Acts, the ninth chapter, 13th chapter, 22nd chapter, or 26th chapter of the book of Acts. No matter what some will say and teach, because some, unfortunately, and any of us can fall into these things, some are hyper-dispensationalists or ultra-dispensationalists, and they'll cut off what Christ has accomplished on the earth and brought to heaven and sent down the Holy Spirit to bring it out. I have yet many things, but he couldn't say it. But verse 13 says to them, albeit when he, who is he? He's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth is come he will guide you into all truth. But to get to be guided into all truth, must there first be salvation? Yes. For he will not speak of himself. Some will teach that, but he doesn't. The Holy Spirit does not speak of himself. This is where a lot of individuals that follow certain teaching make more of the Holy Spirit than they do of Christ. 
the Spirit told me this. The Spirit had me do this. The Spirit gave me a word. Yeah. The Spirit of truth, when he will come, he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he will hear, that will he speak, and he will show you things to come. So what is he going to hear and speak to us? He will not glorify, he will glorify me, Christ. First in terms of salvation. Then in terms of right teaching too here. And conviction goes into both. Salvation and proper preaching and teaching. Conviction has to do with both. And he will show you things to come. He will glorify me for he will receive of mine. The finished work and what he's accomplished. This is he will receive of mine. How do we interpret that? That's Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23. Called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And show it unto you. And then in all finality, we're going to see this, and we'll just be brief this morning. There's a lot more that goes into this. But now we have Acts, the second chapter. Now here in Acts, the second chapter, pre, up to this point, they were still, even though the church was formed, and Jewishness was, was done away with, and, and any other ethnicity or Gentile, that was done away with. They're all one in Christ. We're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, that's Galatians 3 and verse 26. No question about it. 1 John 2, 12 to 14. Knowing our sins are forgiven. Having proper teaching on that, which is very key. Very, very key. And we have that unction in 1 John 2, 27. And we don't have a need that man in the flesh, apart from Christ, to teach us anything in 1 John 2 and verse 27. But up to this point, there, there was still, there was teaching still going after the Jews as a nation. Finally, here's the final rejection where you don't hear it anymore after Acts, the seventh chapter. Watch. Here it is. And there's a misunderstanding about it. Not to, and I'm talking not to, to the Jews as a nation. I'm not talking about individual Jews that would receive Christ as their salvation. I'm not saying individual. I'm talking about the nation of Israel, they were, and the finality of it is brought out here in Acts, the seventh chapter. And this is where we see this. And you can follow it all the way down through because for time we don't have to go into the whole chapter. But here we see this. Stephen, the first Christian martyr, Stephen says to them, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, in mind, stiff neck, will, not submitted, the neck, the will, read Proverbs, especially the first three chapters in the book of Proverbs about what the neck is the type of, it's the will. You stiff necked and uncircumcised, no flesh, separated, the sin nature, not separated, and the sins dealt with, haven't been separated and dealt with, the old crucified nature, potential for all, John 1, 29, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's propitiation. That's not personal sins. That's propitiation between God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. That's the first goat, the first lot in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in mind and heart and ears, lack of submission, you hear, but you still always resist who? 
the Holy Spirit. That's why you that's won't be forgiven in any age. Even in the age of eternity. This does away with universalism. Some point all get out. You have the two classes of universalism. Even all the demons and Satan and all people get out of hell. Then you have the other. Not the demons and Satan, but every other person gets out of hell. Lies. False teaching. We'll see it as we close this morning. We'll see it as we close. You always do resist the Holy Spirit. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, hunted down to kill? And they have slain them, which showed before the coming of the just one, Jesus Christ. And this is bringing out again, John 16, 8 to 11. Of whom you have now been, now been now the betrayers and murderers. They said, the Jews as a religion, they said, not this man in John 18, 40. They cried out, crucify him. In John 19, verse 15, murder him, crucify him. Who have received the law by the dispensation of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the mind. They could, there was rage. And they gnashed on him with their teeth, with their words, the murderous words. They gnashed on him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly in heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of God, the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears, like many Christians don't want to hear the truth now, or unsaved don't, certainly. No, they don't want to hear that they're sinners. And a Christian in the flesh doesn't want their flesh dealt with. And they just get tired of God's plan and the purity of his word, and they end up going elsewhere. Stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling on the Lord, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. What did he say? What did he say? And he kneeled down. Perfect humility in the face of all this hatred. Perfect humility. And cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. He's speaking one with his Savior. As Jesus cried out on the cross, Luke 23 and verse 34, Father, forgive them, because they do not know what they do. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You see, they finally rejected. The finalization of this is the Holy Spirit doing this conviction. That's what won't be forgiven. I can sin, and I did, and all of us did prior to receiving Christ as our Savior against the Son of Man. But when the Holy Spirit has come and convicts people, does that convicting, which he did prior to the cross, through all those sacrifices and types. See, their faith went forward to the cross, very limited as far as ours. Ours looks back on the cross and the finished work because we have the Holy Spirit 
That was the promise to be sent down. The second uh, comforter or equal to God, to, to Christ in, in John 14, 16 and 17. So this in part explains what it means to blaspheme and what it means to, in terms of a lack of receiving Christ as our Savior. And then also, also to the flesh attributing things ignorantly, but doing it and blaspheming, speaking evil and saying things about God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and attributing to their character that are not of their character. And this makes it very important. So, Father, we thank you, and we praise you this morning for your beautiful and precious grace and truth. And none of us are a judge, even when we know these things, even when we understand them, it's by pure grace. And if another believer falls Pray to wrong teaching, evil teaching. They're not an enemy of God. No, they're not. And he loves them just as much as he loves us. And they don't become our enemy. But we need to preach the truth in Jude 3 and verse 4. Based, Jude 3 and, and verse 4 is based upon Acts the 20th chapter and verses 29 to 32. And this is what Paul was saying through the Holy Spirit in Acts 20, 24 to 30. In teaching this about why that is the final unpardonable sin, it's, it is this, it is the final, and I wrote it down here through the, through the scriptures this morning as, as the Holy Spirit was giving the teaching of Christ in this particular area. It's because what that is teaching here is that is the final, the absolute and final step of denial. It's the final complete step. It is the complete last step. And that's what Revelations 22, and that's where, again, this is brought out in Acts, the seventh chapter. I believe that is where I wrote that, and I'm pretty sure. Yes, okay. So, so Acts 7 51 is bringing out the truth of Matthew 12, 31 and 32. It is the final rejection of Christ by the power and witness of God the Holy Spirit. And it is the finality of it. It's the last step. And so it is the unpardonable sin. What is that? You refuse propitiation. And when you do, you refuse substitution and reconciliation. And that's what Revelations 22 is bringing out in verse 11. And that's what is against universalism, number one, and annihilationism, number two. And John 3 and verse 36 brings it out with John 5 and verse 24. And what does it say here in 22.11? What does it say? He that is unjust, what would, why would be unjust? Because we still have the old nature with all that sin, with all the sins not dealt with, right? He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he that is filthy, what makes us filthy? The nature and the sins that are produced. Are sins filthy? Are they evil? God, how we categorize sin. Like somehow gossip, talking about someone and something, especially about other believers, this is not, it's just insanity. Gossip is on an equal plane with 
lesbianism and homosexuality, but we'll make a difference in it. Sin is sin with God. See that in Romans 1, 18 to 32. Again, again, just in closing. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Let him be that way. Is there any change? So the so the sin, okay, okay, so the sin there, blasphemy, that sin is not forgiven. What is that? What is the sin? It's the nature with all of its sins that rejects propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation. Otherwise, I have to believe if I teach that Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world, and, and the verses that they use is First John 2, 1 and 2, my little children, see that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate for the righteous, with the righteous Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he, we have an advocate, and it's Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And then you have this in italicized. And also for the sins of the whole world. For the sins of the whole world. The sins of is not in the original. It's italicized. I can show you in any Greek New, New Testament. It's not there. Sins haven't been dealt with. That's what's unpardonable. Rejecting that. And that's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. We want the answers right away. We want it, we want it now. But you see, it's going to take some time for these things to be, to be developed in truth in us. But there's absolutely no question about it. Jesus did not pay for the sins of the whole world. That is based upon Leviticus 1 verse 4. Leviticus the 16th chapter and those first 17 to 20 verses that is brought out in 1 John 2, 1 and 2 in the original language. That's what blasphemy always is. And it is unpardonable. That is, that is also brought out here and I'll close with this. That's also brought out here. <laughs> And it's going to take time. It's going to take, take time. That's why we have to trust God for certain things and get right teaching. Don't just dismiss it. In Revelations, the 20th chapter, this again does away with annihilationism and universalism, two very prevalent in evil teachings that go on today in many, many circles. In so-called Christianity, which it's not, it's just Christendom entering into Christianity, trying to find a place. But here we see this in Revelations 20, the, uh, 20, Revelations 20, it says this here in verse 12. And I saw the dead. Were they annihilated here? Were they skipped out of, were they out of hell yet? I saw the dead, small and great, no matter what their position was on the earth, stand before God. Who are they standing before? Who's the judge? Who was all judgment given to in John 5, verse 22? It's Christ. And the books were open, and, and another book was open, which is the book of what? Life. The life that's ours. Colossians 3, 3 and 4. Christ is our life. 1 John 5, 11, eternal life. If you don't have it, you live in eternal what? Death, separation from God. Because death is the Greek word thanatos, and it never means annihilation or extinction. It's always separation. And the dead were judged out of those out of those things which were written in the books. Listen, according to their works. And what were their works if it wasn't Christ? What would it amount to? Sins. 
sins. And the sea gave up the dead. This huge sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death, death, where the soul goes, okay, and hell, which is the grave here, by the way. Death is where the soul goes, is where it's held in hell. And the body, the old body, is goes to the grave, were delivered up, and the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their what? What are our works? What can I do that's not of Christ? What's the only thing I do? I still function in a sin nature. What do I function in? Sins. Difference between sin and sins. Need to read Romans to know the difference between sin and sins with all the Old Covenant scriptures. And death, death, where the soul goes, and hell, where the body goes, were cast into the lake of fire. They're reunited with their old body. Cast into the lake of fire. This is what? Second death. What's the first death? Hmm? Revelation 20, verse 6, and Romans 6, verse 9. He that dies once, what? Dies no more. And this is Ecclesiastes 7, 1. The day of one's death, potentially, is greater than the day of one's birth because we were born sinners, separated. Psalm 51, verses 4 and 5. Yes. This brings out this teaching here. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, who is the book of life? Christ. Were cast into what? The lake of fire. Did they all get out in universalism? Were they all extinct and done away with in annihilationism? Absolutely not. That's the sin of blaspheming against God, the Holy Spirit. So, Father, thank you for these comforting, convicting words. And there is no comfort and no rest for us as believers apart from constant conviction through the light of the word, through preciseness of the word that only God, the Holy Spirit, can bring to us. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.